Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome to you today. I thank you for joining me, and I pray that this will be a blessing to you. Today we're going to continue in our Passion to Pentecost short series. In Lesson 6, we're going to look at the Ascension. We have finally made it to where we're going to actually discuss the topic of the Ascension today. We've talked about several things between the time that Jesus rose from the dead and this event. And so today we want to actually discuss this event we call the Ascension. Let's understand specifics from Scripture about this magnificent and monumental event. So I want to take us first and foremost to Acts chapter 1, and we're going to begin the reading in verse 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. This goes back to the earlier scriptures and messages that we talked about in here where he took them and he said, all authority is given to me. He made them ambassadors for him. He appeared to them because they were to be his eyewitnesses, etc. To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So here again, Luke is proving to us of the appearances of Jesus, their purpose, the fact that there were eyewitnesses now, there are ambassadors, the chosen 12, the chosen disciples. He had 11 faithful at that time. And if we keep reading in Acts chapter 1, we will see where the 12th one is chosen here to replace Judas Iscariot. Continuing in the reading, verse 4, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. So this is the account that Luke records for us of the actual ascension how it took place, it was on the Mount of Olives, etc. 
Now I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 28. And I want to begin reading in verse 16 and see Matthew's account, which included them being commissioned with this great commission as his ambassadors. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So we see here the account as well recorded by Matthew. I want to also look at Mark and Luke's recordings in their Gospels. Mark chapter 16, I want to read verses 15 through 20. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. And then Luke chapter 24. I want to begin the reading in verse 44. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass, while he blessed them, that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. So let's look at this event, and then I want to look at some prophetic words about it from the Tanakh, from the Old Testament, that he is now fulfilling. Consider the event itself. First, it happened 40 days after first fruits. The day he rose from the dead was the day of first fruits. And so this is now the 40th day of the Omer count. Ten days remaining in the Omer count until the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. During the 40 days from his resurrection to his ascension, as discussed in earlier lessons, he was seen by many witnesses. We saw that in many scriptures, in 1 Corinthians 15, 5, John 21, and later, after he had ascended, he also appeared to 
Paul in Acts chapter 9. He prepared them as witnesses and ambassadors, sending them forth. He gave them their mission to continue the work for him, to preach the gospel, to make disciples, and to teach them his word. Now he gathers them together. He had appeared up to 500 at one time, the scripture tells us. Was that this time or not? We don't know. Was it the 120 that would gather together in the upper room? Was it just the 11 faithful disciples? It's not specified in the context here. We're unsure, but we do know that at least it was the 11 disciples we believe. If more, perhaps, maybe or maybe not. But all that were on this mountain with him were his disciples. This happened at the Mount of Olives near Bethany. Remember, Bethany was the home of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Jesus is received up into heaven in their sight. They witness this account. They watch it. Now they see he is seated at God's right hand until the set and appointed time to come. We've looked at this in an earlier episode, Acts chapter 3. Peter tells us that he had to be received up into heaven until the time of the restitution of all things. The time when he would come again and he will then establish his kingdom, restore all things. I want us to look next at Psalm chapter 110, verse 1 through 3. The Lord, meaning the Father, said to my Lord, meaning God the Son, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. In the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, you have the view of your youth. So this is the time that Peter is speaking of. The time of the restitution of all things is coming. The same time that David prophesied in Psalm 110, saying it would be the time when his enemies, when the Lord's enemies would be made his footstool, he would then have total victory completely realized in the world. Hebrews 1.13 also quotes David here in Psalm 110 and applies it to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. I want us also to look in 1 Corinthians Chapter 15 and verse 23 through 26, it says this, But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and all power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death and Jesus will do this when he comes to restore all things. That day is approaching quickly beloved friend. Jesus is King of Kings, Lord of Lords, has all authority. He will receive and reign in his coming kingdom on earth and in eternity. Daniel chapter 7 is one place that gives us that prophetic word. There are other places that speak of the enemy of death being defeated, as well in the prophets. The word tells us at the ascension that a cloud received him. 
Now, is this perhaps a physical cloud like we would see in the sky? Or perhaps the cloud of witnesses spoken of in Hebrews chapter 12? Or, and this is what most people are believing now that that is represented here, and that is the kabod, the cloud of glory, the glory of the Lord, the same kind of glory of the Lord that followed and that traveled with the children of Israel in the tabernacle of Moses through the wilderness, the glory of God. Ezekiel chapter 1 shows us some beautiful elements and powerful features of the glory of God that he was able to see in his vision. Perhaps it was this cloud of the glory of God that received him up, this abode, the glory of the living God, the Shekinah glory of God. He was received by a cloud into heaven. And then there's a promise. There's two men that show up. We assume them to be angels. We do not know, but they are two men that come. Two was required to verify any matter and establish any matter according to Deuteronomy chapter 19 verse 15. It required two witnesses. And so now here again we see two witnesses that attest to the fact that Jesus is being received into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of God. And now they verify the promise that Jesus himself had given. They verify to these disciples this same Jesus that you saw just now enter into heaven will come again as you saw him leave. He will fulfill his own promise in John chapter 14, verse 1 through 3, where Jesus himself had told them, I am going away, but I will come again and I will receive you to myself. So these two witnesses, angels from heaven, perhaps that come and attest this to the disciples, say to them, this same Jesus will come again. I want you to notice also that Paul speaks of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I want to read verse 23 through 26. Paul writes, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So Paul reminds us here that even communion is a remembrance not only of the Lord's death and his body and his blood that was shed for us, which it is but also a remembrance and a reminder that this same Jesus is coming again. Praise be to the living God. Hallelujah. He is coming again. And he's coming soon, beloved friend. He's coming soon. John the Apostle also speaks of, of this. In 1 John chapter 3, John the Apostle writes these words. 
Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him, in Jesus, coming again, purifies himself just as he, meaning Jesus, is pure. So John is speaking of the coming of Jesus again for us. And he says here that we don't know fully exactly what we're going to be like in our eternal state, but we do know that we'll be like him. We'll see him in all of his glory as he is in his magnificence when he comes. And everyone who has this hope of his return, of his coming, will purify themselves in this life. The promise of his return brings hope and comfort. John speaks of it here in 1 John 3 and other places. Jesus spoke of it in John chapter 14 and elsewhere. Paul speaks of it in 1 Thessalonians 4. And there are other places in the New Testament that point us to this coming event. Now I want us to look back at the Old Testament and see what prophetic fulfillment happened at the Ascension. And to do that, I want us to go to Hosea chapter 5, and we're going to read verse 14 and 15. Hosea was an Old Testament prophet among the minor prophets, or in the Jewish Tanakh, a part of the book of the Twelve. The context that he's writing about here in chapter 5 is Israel's sin and idolatry. And he tells them that there will be impending judgment in a dispersion that will happen to them. Now we know that that happened at the Babylonian captivity as well, but we also know that that has happened and occurred over the last 2,000 years at the time of this recording of this message. Hosea prophesies about this dispersion. Let's read. And then he says in verse 14 and 15 of this same chapter that he's dealing with Israel's sin and idolatry, he says this, For I will be like a lion to Ephraim, and like a young lion to the house of Judah. I, even I, will tear them and go away. I will take them away, and no one shall rescue. I will return again to my place till they acknowledge their offense. Then they will seek my face. In their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. So the ascension of the Lord is prophetically spoken of here. He is now returning to his place at the right hand of God. He is returning to heaven until the Jewish people will recognize him, will acknowledge their sin. Seek his face earnestly. He is ascending back into heaven until there's real repentance that will happen in the Jewish people when they will be sincere. One psalm that may speak of that day and may even declare some of their intent and some of the words that they may even bring before the Lord in that day is Psalm 79. I encourage you to read that and consider that. There is a coming day when Jesus will return again. 
when he will come back. He said, I'm going to return to my place. And then when they acknowledge their sin, I'll come again. Jesus even speaks of this in Matthew chapter 23. In verse 37 through 39, he says this, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus speaks about this coming day when they will acknowledge their sin, when they will sincerely repent and call upon him and welcome him as their Messiah King. They will hail him as their King in sincerity and repentance. They will cry out to him as the prophet Hosea spoke. He is returning to his place. And then when they acknowledge him and cry out this messianic cry in that coming day, he will return during or at the end of that time period, which we know as the flight to the wilderness based on what Jesus has told us in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke chapter 21. The flight to the wilderness is for the purpose of the Lord alluring Israel to himself. As Hosea chapter 2 verse 14 and 15 tells us, as Psalm 79 speaks of, as Zechariah 12 10 speaks of, and as Jesus' own words here in Matthew 23 that we just read tells us about. Jesus fulfilled prophecy by ascending back to heaven. As seen in Hosea's prophecy, as seen when we read Psalm 110 where David told us about how he is seated at the right hand of God. We also see David prophetically speaking in Psalm chapter 68, verse 17 and 18 says this, The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of thousands. The Lord is among them, as in Sinai, in the holy place. You have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. You have received gifts among men, even from the rebellious, that the Lord God might dwell there. So in Psalm 68, David is also speaking about Jesus ascending back to heaven and receiving gifts, giving gifts. And also in Proverbs chapter 30, this is the words of Jekheg, the son of Agur, in Proverbs chapter 30. And I want to read verse 3 through 6. I neither learn wisdom nor have knowledge of the Holy One. This is Jekheg speaking. Who has ascended into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name? If you know, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. So J.K., the son of Agur, here is prophesying about God. God is the only one he can be speaking of here. Who can take and bind the waters in his garment? Who can hold the wind in his fist? Who has established all the ends of the earth? It's only God that he's speaking of here. And he also says he has ascended into heaven. Hallelujah. Even Jesus' ascension is spoken of in the Tanakh, 
in the Old Testament and is a fulfillment of prophecy. It has a duration. He has ascended back to heaven for a period of time until his kingdom age will begin, where he will defeat all of his enemies, reign as king as promised of old, and restore all things. The ascension proves that God accepted Jesus' sacrifice on my behalf, spoken of in Hebrews chapter 1 and plenty of other places. He has sat down. He has sat down at the right hand of God, resting. His work has been completed. He cried out, it is finished, paid in full. Jesus has paid it all. And he has sat down with the completed work he did on the cross in his death, burial, and resurrection on the, our behalf. And now he sits in heaven and ever lives, according to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, to intercede on our behalf. And according to Revelation chapter 1, to work in and among the church, trimming the lamps, working with the church, seeing to his church and the work of the ministry he's called us to do. Best of all, he is coming again, and he's coming soon. When he comes, he will gather us with him, and we will be with him forever. But until he comes, we are to occupy. Jesus spoke about that in one of the parables he gave. And the message is, occupy till I come. In other words, keep doing his work as his ambassadors. Do what he's called us to do with the gifts that he ascended to heaven and then delivered to us. These gifts are spoken of in Romans chapter 12, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 through 10, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14, and in Peter's epistles as well. We gather together and keep communion in his remembrance until he comes, and we serve him with the gifts he has given us as his ambassadors. And we await and long for his soon return, where we will then be with him forever. I want to read an interesting, wonderful passage in Job chapter 19. Beginning in verse 25, Job writes this, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. How my heart yearns within me. Oh, beloved friend, let us long for his soon return, like Job longed to see the Lord in that day. Like Paul spoke of in 2 Timothy chapter 4, where he said that there's a crown awaiting for those who love his appearing. In John chapter 14, verse 1 through 3, Jesus himself has told us about this. And I want to leave us with his own words and his own promise. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Remember, we have Jesus' own promise. He will come again. 
And we have the affirmation of the two men at his ascension, the, those two witnesses. This same Jesus that ascended into heaven is coming again in like manner. I can't wait for that. I long for his appearing. My heart is yearning for it. And I want to be faithful till he comes, doing his work, remembering him and his death, burial, resurrection, and his promise of his return for me, and longing for that day in the process. I pray you will also. I pray that this has been a blessing to you, and Lord willing, you can join us again for the remaining episodes of Passion to Pentecost. And may the Lord richly bless you today, in Jesus' name. Amen.